0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats on the out of bounds network my name is john Croom if this is your first time listening thank you so much for clicking on this episode and diving into my podcast i really appreciate it you're gonna enjoy it you're gonna love it if you're coming back for another episode please make sure you hit that subscribe button leave us a review it really helps out a lot if you haven't done so already so yeah go ahead hit that five stars or if you really hate this podcast i guess go ahead and leave one star but um Yeah, try not to do that. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode with Nat Ross. Nat Ross, you know, he is the I think sports marketing communicator for Pirelli. I met him while he worked with Cask Helmets, but we sit down and we chat tire choices for Big Sugar. We chat about the course for Big Sugar and his event promotion, how he got into that, and who Nat Ross is. We get to know a little bit about how he got inducted into the Hall of Fame of mountain biking and uh, his world championships and stuff like that. So anyways, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. But first, let's hear a quick message from the sponsors. And guys, back for another week is twisted spoke CBD guys if you haven't already please go check out twisted spoke CBD at twistedspokecbd.com. CBD.com I use their CBN tincture uh, for the nighttime peppermint flavor after I brush my teeth the last thing you want is that CBD taste in your mouth uh, after you brush your teeth so I use the peppermint you know to kind of freshen it up a bit but yeah their CBN is, is some of the greatest um, CBD, CBN that I've ever used. I sleep like a baby. I wake up in the morning, ready to roll on top of all of that. They are cyclists. They know what works for us. I've been drug tested four or five times this year, and I have yet to test positive. So guys, it's clean. It's good stuff. You got to check it out. So go to TwistedSpokeCBD.com. cbd.com. That's twisted cbd.com use code croom 10 at checkout to get 10% off your first order. And yeah, Also back for another week is Bike Hardcore. Guys, you have a dirty bike, and I know it because it's wintertime, and there's going to be salt on the road. There's going to be rain, snow. Depending on where you're at, it's probably already pretty grimy. So you got to clean up your bike. Go check out Bike Hardcore at BikeHardcore.com. They have this awesome pump sprayer that sprays foam soap all over the bike. I think it's like 50 bucks. But if you use code CROOM10 at checkout, you get 10% off your first order with them as well. So go check them out at BikeHardcore.com. That's BikeHardcore.com. So let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to another podcast on the Out of Bounds Network. This is Coffee and Van Chats. My name is John Krum and I'm sitting here with Nat Ross. Uh, this guy wears many hats. I had the pleasure of meeting him when he was working with Cask back. What was that? 2014, I think. you we, we worked in Cask for a while, but that was in 2014. Uh, Cycle Cross National Championships, um, and then uh, yeah, we've just kind of stayed in touch and. You're on doing different and better things. You're working for Pirelli now. You also are, are, are you the event manager
1: of Big Sugar? You know, I'm a co-director, John. Co-director, so two of us, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So co-director, um, but anyways, before we dive into all the crazy shit that you do and all the hats that you wear, tell us a little bit about you. Like how do you find yourself in the cycling industry?
1: Yeah, uh, similar to the rest of us, that passion just uh, drives the fire, right? started out in the mountains (laughs) yeah
0: yeah no for sure uh
1: luckily for me i grew up in uh the epicenter at the time which was uh winter park colorado
0: okay yeah and so did you race like you know for people that don't know you i mean you're being you're being kind of humble so i want to like dive into a little bit of like your background and and where it all gets started
1: Yeah, uh, we'll we'll just kind of go back a few years, many, many years uh, back (laughs) back to the racing days. I did race on the factory team. I was lucky enough to be in that era where mountain biking was the pinnacle. Uh, It surpassed kind of the popularity of road cycling as far as television, at least locally in uh, North America. So I was on the uh, Gary Fisher factory team. I did a 13 year stint on that team. Uh, which is uh, for those of the folks that are listening in wondering what Gary Fisher is was he was yeah, that? That's the, a good
0: point. Some people might not know what that is.
1: Yeah, let's fill him in, John.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so go for it.
1: Yeah. Um, Gary Fisher uh, was one of the folks, an early pioneer for the mountain bike, started uh, a company called Mountain Bikes uh, with Tom Ritchie that morphed into um, Fisher bikes which then turned into Gary Fisher, which later on was acquired by Trek, the same years as uh, Klein uh, and Bontrager uh, and LeMond. So that, that's why Trek morphed into the giant. Uh, there used to be factory teams out there for all of those. And I raced on the Gary Fisher team, which uh, back then we had car sponsors. Uh, originally started off with Saab, again, yeah. dating myself. Saab's no longer a manufacturer for yeah. autos over here. Um, and then had, uh, about 12 years or, uh, 10, 10 year, 10 to 12 years with Subaru in North America. So free cars every year, complement to Subaru.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, right on. And, uh, you're an inductee into the hall of fame. Am I right?
1: Yeah. Um, mountain bike uh, Hall of fame, mountain bike hall of fame, 2008. Um, every, every year there are several athletes that are get inducted into the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, uh, myself and Brian Lopes were the athletes for that year. Uh, and, and my, I guess for me, yes, racing uh, obviously as a mountain bike racer. That's, uh, your accolades and results carry you. But yeah. the, the main thing, I think the reason I'm in the hall of fame is the 29 inch wheel. So I was the first athlete, um, to, to kind of race that wheel, um, and wow. bash head to head against with the UCI multiple years, um, to be able to, for it to then be legal enough to race in a UCI world cup.
0: Wow. No, that's, that's, that's actually really cool, man. Um, and so you were inducted in 2008 into the mountain bike hall of fame, which is pretty epic. And like I said, I think, I think you're being very humble on, on your accolades and cycling and it's, it's super cool to kind of, kind of dive back into that. But, uh, yeah, man. So, so tell us, tell us where, where that takes you now. So where does your, where does your start in the industry come from? Like I said, I met you when you worked with Cass, which you're still, You know, still have a great relationship by working with Pirelli, you know, keeping those companies pretty tight, but where, where does your relationship, like, I guess, transfer from bike racer into marketing and sales and whatever else in the industry?
1: Yeah. And that's the hard part is to know when to hang it up when you're done racing the bike and then, um, how bad you really want to work in the industry and what it takes. So I, I will say for those out there that want to get a job in the industry, um, it is, uh, a little bit more that the paychecks are more steady than bike racing. Sometimes <laughs> they, and, can't uh, yeah, they can't be. Yeah, they can be. Yeah. And, uh, if you do it right, you can still ride your bike or even race your bike. So I just came back from the sea otter, got 16th in the enduro, um, after work in the event, um, uh, with Pirelli. So I still, I still like to race my bike, John.
0: Wow, man. No, that's sick. So. So what was the first company, I guess, that did you start working with in the industry?
1: Yeah, that goes back to 2008. Um, that was Physique at the time. Um, I, I was uh, riding on the saddles that were, let's say, not as comfortable, made by Bontrager. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, had, I had to uh, being traveling in Europe and, and especially in Italy. You learn the, the, the brands real quick that yeah. have the product that fits, that works for you, or that is a, an enhancement for your performance. Physique was one of those. So, Physique, um, I found the saddle that worked for me. Um, I worked with the owners on the saddle to try and get those uh, on the factory team that I raced and developed a relationship um, out of uh, Pozzu Leone with the family owned company Physique at the time. Um, And then that was 2008. uh, Right after I had retired, I had uh, kind of started a consulting project with them on footwear with Steve Delacruz, Cruz who came from Five Ten, and we made the first physique footwear, uh, kind of came to market, I think in 2010, but I had started as early as 2009 on the project.
0: No. Wow. And then, and then, so then your move from physique, was that to cask or what? And there what were a couple techniques? steps in
1: between. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, the, the owner of POC, his name, is Stefan, uh, Jetterberg, was at the time, uh, in Stockholm, Sweden, wanting to take the three ski products that he had to the market. Uh, so he had a Cortex full face downhill helmet, uh, knee pads, and goggles. Wow. Uh, so so I started uh, bringing um, with Yarkaduba over to North America, uh, POC, and we started the line. So got to sponsor Danny McCaskill, uh, yeah. kind of grow the athlete boards, just like I did with you back in the day with Cask. Yeah that's always kind of near and dear is find the folks that are going to be the, the true diehards of the sport that have it, the passion, um, and then help assist those folks get to their goals. So uh, back then it was Danny McCaskill with POC and we kind of launched the bike line and then got into the road line multiple years later. Um, and, and then I had moved the office to Aspen, Colorado, um, prior to the acquisition with Black Diamond. So about six to seven years um, with POC um, before uh, my shift over back to the Italian brands over to Casque, the handmade helmets in Bergamo, Italy. Sweet. No, that's awesome, man. And, and you know, it, it's interesting
0: that you bring up like list of athletes because this is something that we've talked about on a few podcasts prior. You know, we had we had the pleasure of having Meredith Miller on from Shimano um we had uh walker Hag from canyon so we also chatted with him a little bit um but sponsorship model you know mm-hmm. i don't think i've had somebody on the podcast that is as well experienced as you or has been in the industry like in the industry like working in the industry with the athletes as long as you have because i mean you've since 2008 what is that i'm trying to do quick math here what's that that's almost Twelve years, right? No, it's thirteen years. So thirteen years of of seeing the industry change. How nuts is it? Like, do you think it has changed drastically, and do you think it's going to change again? Because my biggest conversation—you remember when United Healthcare and even you know, like date back to date back past United Healthcare and what was it? Uh, you know, Exergy or something like that, um, where they it was all results based like mm-hmm. a lot of it's results based and now you could never have raced a bike and be fully supported and sponsored and probably making more money than you ever made on United Healthcare. So, what what do you think <laughs> of the new sponsorship model and like how those things are going and what does a brand like Pirelli look for now? Yeah. Well, I guess that's um, a loaded question, right? You know.
1: No, but you're on to something, John. Because honestly, racing a bike is not all about getting on the podium, and it's certainly not about um, doing things to get to that spot that that don't align with the brands. So, um, first and foremost, I will say that for companies to be successful, the the sports marketing wing or division um, should spend a, a lot of time researching once they have their mission out. Um, researching the athletes available, and then uh, what I always do is I make a target list and. Uh, Guess what, John? You were on that target list back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And and how you get on the target list for those folks that that are uh, engaging and trying to get to the next step you you are active with your communication. So let's say that you did an event, um, but you didn't get the result that you wanted. the The communication that rolls out of that is not a disappointment. It's not a, a blaming on the product or or a bad attitude. It's okay. What can I do to get to my next step where I where I'm going for the season? And and just kind of a an upkeep of a, a good attitude as well as the quest and communicating that quest of a desire to better your performance so there are athletes out there all the time that uh have that approach but they don't quite get that step of communicating it to the brands um they might miss that mark
0: yeah no for sure and do you feel like because i had this conversation with meredith miller because and you're familiar with meredith miller right like yeah definitely and, and so what 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 I had the conversation with her is cause I felt like she left the sport as a time where social media was the big ROI. Right. And so she was like her era was like the tail end of results based sponsorship, I think. Yeah. Um, and then her name kind of, and, and names started to carry. Right. Um, but do you think that by that switch that pushed good athletes out of the sport? You understand my question here? Because I had this conversation with Meredith, and she said yes, but what is your opinion?
1: Well, it kind of depends on the discipline quite a bit because that switch, the good athletes, if they're tried and true to their discipline, they're going to rise to the top um, with the proper support. Um, Maybe they're not aligned with the right brand at the moment, or maybe they're just having a bad season or even on a bad team. So there's a lot of factors at play on that. But honestly, if the athlete has the the wherewithal and and you're, you're the same way. A lot of folks at that world level um, type A personalities driven. Yeah, Um, no, no one's really going to get in the way of what you need to do. And if they do, they might be a little bit more determined than you or driven uh, on on certain aspects events or races. So I I would say it it depends on the circumstance. Also, also the um, sometimes the age of the athlete or even the federation that the athlete um, is, is going through the ranks in. So there's so many variables out there that, and and Meredith as a road racer back in her day, she was in the prime with the gals when they were, you really had to put your time in, in the off season from the training camps on. And and that format's changing a little bit now. So these days you could still go to the training camps, but you could be active on social media and then help the team out um, for certain key events and still be named to the roster the next year
0: yeah no and, th- and that's the interesting part like part of me because you know like even me and, and, and my brands know this and brands that i work with like the whole reason why i race gravel is because that's the roi like that's you know the whole reason why i race the dirt that's the roi when in reality my main goal is the paris olympics but mm-hmm. and i never really realized it until unbound but you know i got third place at unbound in the hundred mile well, I thought round.
1: you got first place, John, because after those <laughs> first rounds of attacks and counterattacks, yeah. you were so oh, that's far right. You're racing
0: with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I got I got third place, but you would have thought I won a world title. Like with the kind of like I, I think I gained like two, three hundred followers on Instagram. Like I was getting articles written about me. I had I had national team coaches writing out to me. It was it was wild. And so that was the day that it fully clicked for me that there's something to this gravel thing. There's, there's some sort of media and ROI attention to this gravel thing. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I do think some people have left the sport because they're solely like, I don't want to race gravel. Like I'm a bike racer. Like I'm not a, I'm not an influencer. I'm a bike racer. Why am I doing this shit? Like literally I think that's what's happening. Um, but then again, I wonder, you know, where that, that would have put him in the top tier of the sport.
1: Yeah, well, so I had an experience early on, um, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, my, my team director asked me to come back and race this race in Kansas when I was in Europe doing Swiss Cups and World Cups, got asked to uh, come back and do this gravel race. And I stuck my nose up and said, no, I'm not coming back. I'm, why would I go to Kansas for a race? Um, so so I, I also, uh, was victim of the attitude early on. I could have come and experienced the beautiful thing, which was DK now unbound. Um, so there, there is a big misconception in a lot of places, uh, all over the world about gravel and it's, it's changing now it's changed drastically this year, the level and caliber of events, including the BWR calendar that then the expansion this year, um, every race has a legitimate field and deep
0: yeah and i think i think too like to go back to what you were saying about sticking your nose up it's like it's almost like investing in bitcoin like if you would have won (laughs) that race back then like you would be a legend today just because you at some point you had won that race at some point i mean look at like dan hughes yuri oswald before it like really took off and got popular and i'm not taking away from their wins i'm not saying that they won because nobody showed up because obviously they showed up and they raced really hard but they will forever be in the book and a list of names of Ian e. Boswell, you know, Colin Strickland, you go down the list and same with Allison Tetrick and, and, and the ladies side of things too. It's, it's gotten legit. Um, it's gotten really legit. And so um, yeah. And so that kind of turns us into your co-founder race, big sugar. <laughs> yeah, like, That's pretty legit. I mean, um, how did you find yourself a part of that? And did you find the race or like how, or did you uh, find, yeah, it, find you it, the in gravel crowd? Race? The family
1: finds you. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically enough, my wife at the time was working at, uh, we were probably two years into relocating from Colorado to Benville, Arkansas. And my wife, uh, had been talking to the founders of DK, trying to get them to put an event on in Arkansas. Yeah. So what does she do? She said uh Nat's been Nat's been putting on events for 20 years. So um last couple of big events I did were uh massive events like 5000 uh competitors or or riders uh and let's say like the Triple Bypass in Colorado. So yeah. Uh, I stepped down from doing the big events, but, uh, my wife, Amy Ross said, Hey, I think Nat would love to do the event. And then the women were doing the women's campaign. They said, let's get a women's ride director. Let's have somebody like Nat who's put on events before, uh, help onboard Gabby Adams and get her to be the event director. And that kind of, that was the goal for this year, actually last year, but, uh, the event, as we all know, we all skipped a season. So fast forward, October 23rd, it will be our first annual uh big sugar and little sugar event in bittenville
0: nah dude and that's super cool did you so what's the stats like i love to have these conversations i love having i had this you know before we we lost mark sakowitz you know we used to he used to text me and be like it's sold out
1: in like 10 minutes nice you know and so (laughs)
0: like what's the stats right now for big sugar how's it looking
1: Yeah. So this is lifetime, right? So lifetime knows the portfolio we sold out in under six minutes, uh, launch date that we opened up registration. So it sold out so fast it surpassed the entire team's expectations. It was lightning fast.
0: No, that's amazing. And so what, what, what do we have to expect for big sugar? What, what do we have coming up? If we're, if we're a racer coming to big sugar, what, what should we be expecting?
1: Yeah, so you can see a lot of people are hitting the website trying to figure out just the last minute details. And uh, at the end of the year, it's clutch, right? Especially being uh, this late in October, keeping the motivation, keeping the health, and then just that that extra step of fitness. So you've got folks that have uh, taken the course out and uh, reconned it multiple times and thrown some Strava times out there. Yeah, uh, and and not just once. So you're talking the the Payson's uh, the Collins that have come back multiple times to get that landmark because uh, they, they really want to put their mark on this course. Um, but early on when we did kind of a preview event lifetime brought out a lot of folks just to kind of test the waters uh, in this landscape and see how the women would fare, uh, how we would get more women into this event. And it, it took kind of a, a really good weather day to test it out at Big Sugar, which means skies opened up. It was wet for October. It was really cold weather with creek crossings and 108 miles of uh, enduring pain. So a lot of these riders now that are prepared for this year's event, thanks to the test event that Lifetime did, are they know the elements out there. It could be cold. Uh, folks could get hypothermic. There's the aid stations, of course, can get you going and do what you need to do, but it is a chunky course in terms of gravel and very demanding with the climbing. So a lot of folks, if they're prepared um, and paid attention to all the prep work that earlier had been done by athletes, they're good to go. If they're showing up and just just throw it up in the air and see what happens, it's going to be a long day.
0: So what's your Pirelli tire choice?
1: Yeah, good question. So the Pirelli Cinturato, which Cinturato stands for belted, that is the gravel tire that is uh, wicked fast. There's two treads, uh, the H, which maybe might not be the best idea unless you're. That's more of your
0: slick, right?
1: That is more of a slick, and unless you're a fantastic bike handler, may not be the tire choice. So I would go with a 45 width. Okay, so uh, you go make pretty a 40. wide. Yeah, we do ETRTO. Pirelli has ETRTO standards uh, that sync up with the rims, and a lot of European and, and general global manufacturers are doing that now. So we make a 45 and a 40, and, and I would not go anything less than a 40, and I personally would be on a 45, Cinturato, gravel, mixed. So lots awesome. of tread. Uh, and brand new tires with a lot of sealant. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, maybe even bring some
0: extra sealant and a plug. You know, can't. It can be the best tire in the world. Rocks sometimes can take them out. So that is true. And and John,
1: (laughs) yeah, you've seen it. You know. And then the weather. Once uh the rocks get sharp, it happened at Oz Trails Off Road, the mountain bike race in Arkansas in Bentonville. Um, so many tires uh, were victims. So many racers showed up and. If it's wet, the rocks get sharp.
0: Yeah, and so do you have prediction? Can you make a prediction being the co-founder for the men and the women? No, can't. you can't. You can't, can't do it?
1: No, nope. and I'm also okay. one of the ones that doesn't look at the weather either. So yeah. even though I just talked about it, yeah, I don't look at the weather and I can't make a prediction for you, but you can.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, let me let me ask you this. Who who should we look out for in the men and who should we look out for in the women?
1: Because yeah. we have, um,
0: I think I heard Nielsen Palaces. Potentially coming right. Correct.
1: Correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'll just I'll just say that I was talking to uh, a bike racer today that was extremely prepared for the event by the name of Payson yeah and and I'm just gonna say that uh although I can't predict anything uh racers that are prepared like Payson um that things are gonna have a good day
0: day. well see and I I'm not gonna lie like because you know with the whole recent of me starting this UCI trade team I I get really excited about Payson and, and Pete especially like how serious they take some of these races because um I mean even Pete he was at uh what's the race uh Roubaix, Barry Roubaix in Michigan, which that used to just be like your your podunk town, you know, gravel road race. And he's like, what tires should I do? And it's like even the big dogs are still questioning and they're trying to make sure they got everything in line and everything's dialed, everything's ready to go. And that I get stoked on that. I, I love that aspect of bike racing in every form. So anyways, past that, besides the bike racing at Big Sugar, there's always some cool events going on. There's always something going down. What else yeah. do we have to expect at Big Sugar?
1: Well, the best part about Big Sugar is the Outer Bike Festival goes on simultaneously. So all the registrants for Big Sugar, they're gonna walk through Outer Bike uh, while they register. Oh, that's uh, awesome. and, and Outer Bike, man, the demos galore, and it is kind of predominantly mountain bike focused you can demo, um, bikes for gravel out there. Um, there'll be some road bikes for that people can demo and all sorts of brands will be demoing product. Um, I know specialized shows up with a lot of e-bikes as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a family affair, outer bike.
0: No. Yeah. That sounds like a fun time. Um, but anyways, so we're coming up on, on some time, but I got one last question for you. And I never, I never prep, anyone for this question and the reason okay. for it is because I love the off camber spontaneous answer because if you think about it you're, you're just going to pick somebody generic but if you don't think about it it's going to be in the moment so if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual and if you don't drink coffee you can do scotch whiskey beer um tea water I don't care but if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual who would that individual be and why would you have coffee with that individual dead or alive?
1: There you go. Well, my individual is not alive anymore. So I don't there even know if they drank coffee. <laughs> I, I'm going to say uh, Pablo Picasso. Oh, so, wow. okay. Yep. I'm, I'm not an artist. I don't have any of those talents whatsoever. I don't play any musical instruments, but I do have an eye for the whack out there. Uh, I see it and, behind,
0: I see something behind you too, man. No, yeah, that's cool. that's, a,
1: that's a, one of my uh, wife's uh, friends that does some artwork, and that's like, a, a, I'll show it to you. It's a, basically a disaster on the trail. It yeah, let's see like it. The, yeah, it's a mountain yeah. bike day with a flat tire on the trail up in yes. Bella Vista. So, yeah, Lisa Newpack so is this artist. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, guys, if you're not listening, or if you're just listening to us on Spotify and not watching us on YouTube, he's got this amazing painting. It looks like he's got a bike tire and all this other cool stuff, but it's very abstract, colorful. And, and yeah, it's, it's super cool. Super fun. Um,
1: yeah. So the bike pump, cause um, she had to repair a flat so that you can see the tube is outside of the tire, the tire lever, then the goo. Got, uh, goo exploding everywhere. So <laughs> I put a wrapper in for a tire boot.
0: Yeah, no, that's sick, dude. No. And that, and see, that's why I asked the question on the fly, man. It's like, you know, you get answers like that and, and they become that much more authentic and, and genuine. And yeah. So how would, how would, so you said you don't know if you would drink coffee. So what would you have with this individual?
1: Man, I would do, uh for sure, uh, an alcoholic beverage for sure. <laughs> like the, a, a stout beer or something go. pretty tasty where I could uh, pretend I was an intellectual with them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. No, that's perfect, man. Well, no, that's awesome. Uh, so guys, Thank you so much for coming back and listening. This is Nat Ross, complete legend. If you're going to be at Big Sugar, make sure you go say hey to him because this episode will be out right before Big Sugar. He'll be out running around probably like a chicken with his head cut off, but I know he usually will stop and say hey and always have a smile on his face. So guys, you can check out Nat Ross's social media down in the description below, you can check out Pirelli Tires as well down in the description below. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks guys.